They're going to record this. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. Hey, guys, I'm Sam. I'm a heroin addict. Hey, Sam. <laughs> um, my sobriety date is September 5th, 2016. I have a sponsor who has a sponsor who has a sponsor. Um, I sponsor other women, and I have a home group. Now that we're done with that. <laughs> Can I first off say that y'all are some willing motherfuckers in here? Because I put this in my GPS, and it said that it was like an hour and 15 minutes away. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, this is crazy shit. My home group spearheads, and it takes me about 30 minutes to get there. I got to drive through Spaghetti Junction and all that nonsense. And I'm like, traffic's so bad, but I still show up every single week. And I get there early and stay late. But I'm always like, dude, I'm just real willing, right? And then I put this in, and I was like, God, Jesus, I don't do shit. I don't do shit, dude. <laughs> so we're on a good start with y'all. <laughs> um, I will say that this is probably one of my least favorite things to do is speak. Um, and I'm typically like, you know what, this crowd is so large, like I'm kind of nervous. And it's like, no, this crowd is kind of small, and I'm still nervous. So that really has nothing to do with the crowd. But for anybody that's in detox here right now, um, I went to detox kind of like this, not much like this. It was a state-run facility, so it was way less nicer than this. Um, God, it was a shithole. But I went to a detox there, and I met some people that were, they brought an H&I meeting there, and that's part of my home group now, but they brought an H&I meeting there, and they told me about HA. And when I got out, for whatever reason, I showed up to that HA meeting that they told me about. And this guy was in there. And I'd been to a lot of AA meetings before. And um, and I'd always have this thing where I was like, you know what? These people, they just didn't shoot dope like I shot dope. You know, they just don't really know. Like, I get it. Like, you're an alcoholic. Like, I had this, like, weird ego thing because I shot dope. Um, and I walk into this meeting, and this guy's telling his story. And for the first time ever... I completely relate. I mean, this man was telling my story. Um, and I went up to him after the meeting and I spoke with him. And that is the only reason why I do this today. Because I have the experience of the pure necessity of what it's like for another heroin addict to connect with somebody else. You know, if it was up to me, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> but it's not up to me today. So my intention is to tell y'all what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. I hope to stay in that format. Who knows? At some point, I'm going to lose consciousness and, like, conscious train of thought, I hope. You know, if I don't, we're going to have real problems. Hopefully, spirit will take over, and, I get, and I'll stop talking shit at some point. But, um, so, what it was like. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into my childhood because... You know, for a while, I believed that I was just dealt this shitty deck of cards. And that's why I was a heroin addict. That's why I did drugs the way that I did drugs. And that absolutely has nothing to do with why I did drugs the way that I fucking do drugs. Um, I'm, a, I'm a heroin addict because when I put heroin into my body, I cannot tell you when I'm going to stop. Right? I experienced the phenomenon of craving and... I don't know when it's going to end. That's why I'm sitting here today. It has nothing to do with how I grew up. There are people in this room with, I'm sure we, every single one of us have a different walk of life and it's completely different, but for whatever reason, we're still sitting in this chair. So I'm not going to go into depth. I had a pretty good childhood. Um, nothing that I can really complain about. I used to be like, hey, 
you know, I've, I'm probably a drug addict because my dad passed away when I was like 10. And that's not true. That's not why I was drug addict. You know how many people I know whose dad passed away when they were like 10 and they did not shoot heroin? Like, <laughs> there might be more to this. But my dad passed away when I was like 10. And uh, I was very heavily involved in sports. That's just what I did. I played sports like a maniac. Um, I've always had this real thing in my life where, like, I do something. If I'm going to do something, I do it very obsessively. And so I played basketball like that. And my uh, my family would always just be like, I'd get a lot of broken bones all the time. I, I, like, I've been breaking my ankle like eight times as a kid. It was crazy shit. And I'd just always keep going. And I remember my family would always be like, dude, she's just so tough. She's just so tough, you know? And one of my aunts, I don't know how she's connected and she knows these things, but one of my aunts was finally like, hey, I think something's wrong with that kid. Like, like you might want to get her checked out. Like, like I just saw her get kicked off the trampoline, like, backflip in the air and, like, land on her head, and she just got up and walked away. Like, nothing happened. Like, like I don't think that's normal. <laughs> but my family's like, nah, she's just tough, right? And, uh... And truly, the only thing that I can really remember is, like, I always had friends, and I always, I I could always get connected with people easily. That wasn't a thing for me. But what I do remember is I was, at a very young age, I was always so consumed and terrified by what other people thought of me. Um, Like, when my dad passed away, like I said, it wasn't even so much that my dad passed away. It was like... Now, what, are, what do these people think of me that my dad passed away? The thought of people, people thinking, like, being sorry for me, I just could not stand, right? And I don't think that's really a normal reaction for a fifth grader. <laughs> it's kind of weird. So, so, like I said, I was really involved in sports, and that's just what I did. And I finally get into, you know, I'm playing, like, school ball and all that stuff. And I finally get introduced to some, I think I, like, smoked weed for the first time. I don't know. Who knows? Like, I did drugs at a very young age. I think it was weed for the first time. But I get introduced to, like, the kind of, like, drug world. And um, and I just remember, like, where you would see somebody and you're like, I don't know. Like, I was at the pool one time and I'm just, like, a little kid and I see this chick, like, tatted up with, like, dreads and these people and they're walking up, they're smoking cigs and they got, like, this boom box and they're walking up to the pool. And I'm like, I'm just, like, this little kid watching them and I'm like, I want everything about that in my life. <laughs> like, like, that was, like, so, that was it, dude. So when I got introduced to the drug world, I was like, oh, man, this is it, right? And, uh, and you know, basketball started to take this lower priority in my life what was set up for me right I went to all the basketball camps UGA camp um my mom got a house across the street from the high school that I was specifically supposed to go to to play basketball at I started freshman on the varsity team and she got a house there so I would never miss practice and I will tell you that I made it to practice one time for 20 minutes and that was it (laughs) that was it dude um so drugs really start taking priority. You know, I'm just like partying. I believe I'm like a very normal teenager. I think everybody goes through some some bad teenager stage, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm smoking weed, doing all that. And I get introduced 
to pain pills. Like I said, I break a lot of bones. So I get introduced to some pain pills. And I find that that the pain pills are fantastic. I really, I really enjoy pain pills. And not only that, this uh, partying as a teenager has really gotten fucked up. And I'm on intense juvenile felony probation. Um, I'm no longer in high school anymore, but I hang out like I'm in high school. I dropped out. I dropped out in like ninth grade. <laughs> some crazy shit. But uh, but so I get introduced some Roxy's. And I can't smoke weed anymore because I'm on probation and house arrest and all this bullshit. So I do some Roxy's. And for the first time in my life, it was like I had this experience where I was like, damn, dude, I want to. This is it. I want to feel like this forever. Like, this, this is amazing. I don't know how people walk around all day not feeling like this. And, uh, and so I did that for a while. And I didn't know. I started having these little things where, where I didn't know that I was, like, addicted. You know, I've always had an idea of what a drug addict looks like. And it looks like a homeless person or something. Like, definitely not me as a kid snorting Roxy's. Um... I'd start, I would, I would withdraw off this stuff, and it, it was, it was like, whatever, I was just a kid, and I'd always be like, dude, I'm gonna be done with this, right, and we're gonna fast forward some time of me just partying and having a good time with all of my friends, keep in mind, I have a group of friends, and we all just party together, and we do all these things together, we grow up a little bit, and most of these friends go off to college, they're the friends who were like, hanging out, and I'm like, hey, uh, we're going to get some Roxy's tonight. And they're like, uh, yeah, we're going to go to the movies. Like, we're just going to go to the movies. We're not going to get any Roxy's. And I'm like, that's so mind-blowing to me. I'm like, that's so stupid. Why would you ever just go see a fucking movie instead of get some Roxy's with us? That's crazy shit. I don't understand that shit. So, so these people, some of them go off to college. And there's really only a few of us left, right? And we're in our hometown and eventually Roxy's get expensive, and I always believe that I'm going to stop doing them, right? I always had this line in the sand that I would draw, and I'd be like, dude, I'm just never going to do that, right? I'm just never going to drive high. I'm just never going to steal anything. I'm just never going to rob my family. Um, I'm never going to shoot up. I'm never going to do heroin. I'm never going to do any of these things, and I slowly start crossing every single one of these lines. I had no idea what I was up against. Um, just believing, like, I'm going to stop, you know? Like, I'm going to stop when I want to stop. And uh, and at one point, I got this large sum of money. I, I got, like, I think it was, like, $30,000. I was, like, 18 years old. I got $30,000. And I was, like, tight. I had all these grand ideas of what I was going to do with it. And I was, like, you know what? I'm going to go out one time. You know, I'm gonna, we're going to have a big party, and I'm done, dude. Like, we had, like, a, a Sam's getting sober party. You know, like, <laughs> Sam's done with this shit. She's getting sober. Like, let's play fucking Roxy Pong, you know, and fucking that's it, right? And I had every intention of doing that. Um, I ran through that $30,000 in less than two months, right? At this point, I'm, I'm out. Of, I have $0. <laughs> I owe the bank money somehow at this point. Um and and I get introduced to heroin. And I do not know that... Do I just... I can tell you that I remember what day it was, what I was wearing, 
who I was with, where we went to go get it. When I got this, this heroin, I did it. And I had this experience that was like kind of like the first time that I did a Roxy, right? I found my new master. It was like, holy fuck, dude, I'm going to do this forever. This is amazing. Um, and so I proceed to do that. <laughs> and slowly, my outside circumstances start to become fucked up. They start getting fucked up. I, I don't know. I don't know about anybody here, but uh, like maintaining a life and with a terrible heroin addiction is pretty fucking hard. <laughs> so outside circumstances get fucked up. In this time, my family has tried to do interventions on me, and I'm just like, ah, get out of here with this bullshit. I'm just going to take some boxing and wear fentanyl patches. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> you know? And finally, I get in some legal trouble, some crazy shit. Like, I, I was at the point where I'd pawned everything. I, I was, dude, I was, I, I robbed my ninth grade literature teacher's house. Like, crazy shit, dude. Like, I'm just robbing people. I have no business robbing people. I'm a little white chick from Forsyth County that weighs 125 pounds. All right? Like, I should not be robbing people. <laughs> and, um, and so, find myself in some legal trouble. And I'm like, hey, dude, I'll go to rehab. Uh, they asked me, I pawned some shit that my sister bought. And these detectives called me. And they were... This shit was that she bought online had been stolen in a robbery in Kennesaw where somebody got shot. And so they were like, hey, you we're looking at you for like attempted murder charges. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's not me. Like, I'll go to rehab, dude. So I go to this little spot called Mariposa. <laughs> so I get introduced to rehab. I go to Mariposa. I'm doing this little check-in. And these people are telling me that that they don't, I went to detox, get into this place, and they're like, yeah, we don't do drugs or alcohol here, and I got my grandma and my sister behind me, and I'm like, oh, dude, this is so fucked up, what do you mean you don't drink or, or smoke weed, and they're like, they're like, no, dude, this is a sober, this is rehab, like, this is sober living, and I was like, this is so fucked up, I can't stay here, and I go to walk outside, tell my grandma, and they're like, okay, we'll go inside and tell them, so I go inside and tell the rehab. I said, look, there's been a big misunderstanding. Um, I'm not going to stay here. <laughs> i got to go. And I walk back out, and my family has left me and took my phone <laughs> with my car. And so I sat there a while, and I went back in. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't really have much options. I go in, and, dude, this is where I'm just introduced to rehab, and we're just going to skip through a lot of this, right, because it is the same <laughs> It is the same song and dance over and over. I had no, I had absolutely no idea what I was up against. I could absolutely tell you that I had a heroin addiction, that I was addicted to heroin. Like, there's no, that's, duh. Like, clearly, look at my life. I'm clearly addicted to heroin. I didn't know what that fucking meant, though, dude. I didn't know that that meant that when I honestly wanted to stop, I could not. I did not know what I was up against, right? I didn't know that there's a difference between a hard user and, and an alcoholic, right? I just believed that, that I was just using this real hard and I could just stop when I wanted. I didn't know a real alcoholic means that there's literally an obsession of a mind and I'm mind and body different than my fellows, right? And something is fucking happening. And I have to have a vital spiritual experience for this shit to not happen anymore. I don't fucking know this information. I'm just over here, like, at the pool, chilling in rehab. Like, yeah, I'm done doing drugs. <laughs> and so what this looks like is a couple years of me 
in and out of Mariposa. Mariposa lets you come back as many times as you want. <laughs> They're cool over there. Uh, so I'm in and out of Mariposa a whole lot. And I start showing up to a lot of detoxes um, because I believed that if these drugs were just out of my system, like if the drugs could just get out of my system, then I'd be fine, right? It's really the withdrawals and all this shit that I'm going through. Like I'd be fine once the drugs are out of my system. I've gone to detox 13 fucking times. I'm a very slow learner. I will tell you that. Um, 13 times I fucking believed that once these drugs are out of my system, I'm just not going to do them anymore. And needless to say, every single time I got out of detox, I could absolutely pass a drug test. There was no drugs in my system, and I got high again. And for a while, I could tell you reasons why I got high again. And after a while, I could not tell you why I did that again. I have no idea, to be honest. I don't, I don't know what the fuck happened. Dude, I was just driving down the road, and the thought of getting high crossed my mind, and I just went. You know, my car just fucking turned this way. I don't know. <laughs> I really wanted to be fucking sober. Like, hook me up to a lie detector, I would have fucking passed it every single time. Dude, I meant it with everything in me. Like, I don't want to do this shit anymore, dude. Like, not only have I broke everyone in my life's heart over this, like, I have, I've honestly broken my own fucking heart because I'm really believing this shit. Like, I really believe I'm going to wake up and do something different today. Um, so, fuck it, I'll tell you all some stories with detox. Um, so... So I'm in fucking going in and out, right? And at one point, this is this is the insanity that I'm up against. At one point, I've lo- I've ran out of options, um, and I'm like, hey, I don't know if y'all ever did this. I'm like, hey, mom, <laughs> my mom's still fucking with me at this point. There's a point that she doesn't. <laughs> I'm like, hey, mom, if you give me eighty dollars, I'll go to detox. Like I'm done. I just need eighty dollars. Can't go to detox sober. That's crazy shit. Um, so she gives me eighty dollars, and I go get high. Um, and then I check myself. I don't have insurance. I don't come from a family with money in any way, shape, or form. I don't think I had insurance as a child. It was real sketchy. So, so I got to 1013 myself when I go to detox. Dude. I got to walk in and be like, yo, dude, ate a bunch of Zannies. Want to kill myself? I didn't even eat Zannies that day. Whatever. So I go 1013 myself. So that means that you have like a, I think it's like a 72-hour hold. Like you can't fucking leave after this. And then they send you this little state-run facility. So I ch- I'm high as shit. And when I'm high, I really want to be sober, dude. Like, when I'm high as shit, I'm really like, yeah, dude, I'll go to rehab. That's a great idea. Like, I'm going to change my whole life. Um, it, like, it sounds like a great idea, right? And I check myself into, <laughs> into the hospital at 1013. I wake up the next morning. And, and if you know what it's like waking up in the morning uh, without dope. And you just wake up, like, eyes wide open. And, like, the obsession is on you, right? You cannot not get high. You just can't, right? And so I'm, like, I'm talking to the nurse. It's, like, 7 a.m. I'm, like, hey, uh, uh, I need something. Okay, I'm going. I'm so sick, right? Dude, heroin withdrawals are not that bad, okay? It's really just, like, I mean, I'm going to be honest. It's like the flu, okay? You can get through the flu, right? Like, they suck, dude. Don't get me wrong. I fucking hate withdrawals. But it's really, you're just sick. You're not going to die, right? The problem is you throw, you sprinkle the obsession on there, and I, I'm going to crawl out of my skin, dude. I can't take this another second. So I'm talking to the nurse. I'm like, hey, dude, I need something. 
She's like, all right, well, the doctor comes in at 11. I'll see if you can get some Advil. And immediately, I'm like, got to get out of here. Got to get high. I come up with this plan. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dip out of this hospital. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hospital gown. The back is not... <laughs> the back is not tied up, okay? I'm in a hospital gown. They have all of my belongings, and I'm off Alpharetta Highway at North Fulton Hospital. And I'm like, I know these people who live in downtown Al- Alpharetta. I'm going to run to their house, okay? Use their telephone, get some dope. I got a check I can pick up because I was working at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> and I got, I'm like, all right, I got to go. And so I asked the security guard, I'm like, can you give me some water? She's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, okay, cool. So she goes, as soon as she turns around, I book it. I'm out. Dude, I fucking book it. I'm fucking running through the parking lot of the hospital. I got this male nurse. He's chasing me. He doesn't know that. I used to run track, so I'm fucking fast, dude. And he he fucking falls. And I'm like, I make it to this bush, dude, and I'm hiding out in this bush behind the Wendy's off Alpharetta. There's, like, security driving around, and I don't know what happened, dude. But I finally, it's probably been a good 45 minutes I've been been holding my spot. You know, like, I've been been fucking in there. (laughs) And, uh... And finally, I kind of have an epiphany. I'm like, I'm like naked, basically. It's like 8 a.m. in the morning, and my plan is flawed. <laughs> my plan is extremely flawed. And I, like, see that. And so I'm like, I come out of the bush. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I wait for him to come back. I come out of the bush. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm not crazy. <laughs> and they tackle me down like I'm a crazy person. And I'm like, guys, I'm really not crazy. And they're like, dude, this bitch is so crazy. And like, I really believe that I'm not crazy, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, I know this looks bad, but like, but like, I just really thought that I was gonna get some dope real fast. Like, dude, that's like, I was in restraints the rest of the time. It was a bad, it was a bad scene. <laughs> anyway, that that's the thing. That's the insanity that I'm being up against. I will check myself in to get sober and then not get sober. Um, so. You know, I spent some time back to back to rehab and all this. And at one point, we're going to talk about some frothy emotional appeal and how it seldom suffices here. Um, at one point, I got some dope. It was some bad dope. Shot it up. I'd been sober for a few months. Don't know. Or it was like a month. Um, went and got some dope. It was bad dope. I knew it was bad dope. I tasted it. Um... It looked weird when I broke it down. I know what dope looks like, uh, and it looked kind of chalky. And I was like, that's weird, and I tasted it, and it tasted like nothing. And I was like, that's weird, um, but I'm absolutely going to shoot this up because, like, I'm fucking dying. I have to have something. to. I have to have something to change this. I literally cannot... I cannot sit in my own skin, dude. Like, I cannot be sober. I don't know what the... I'm so... I'm in such discomfort that I, I just can't. So I'm like, dude, I'm absolutely going to shoot this up. There's maybe some wacky shit. You know, it might be good dope. <laughs> and it was not. It was, uh, it, was, it was something laced with Streck 9, which is rat poison. Um, I shot that up and somehow made it to the hospital. I'm not going to get too uh, graphic, but it was, it was, you know, like foaming out the mouth and shit. Make it to the hospital, and I fall out at the hospital and I don't know how long I'm in the hospital. I wake up in uh, ICU. Uh, I got, like, all this shit all over me. I guess I've been there for a few days. My pulse never reached over, like, I think it was, like, 28 beats per minute uh, for a couple of days. And I wake up, and my mom, my family, sitting in the room, right? And they're like, dude, 
And they're crying. They're like, you can't keep doing this to us, right? You just, you can't keep doing this to us. And I get up and I'm like, I'm not going to do this to y'all anymore, right? I got a girlfriend. She's like, I'm leaving if you keep doing this, right? And I'm like, I'm absolutely not going to do this anymore, right? I've crossed some lines. So I'm like, I'm just going to go home. Um, I convinced my family rehab was the problem. <laughs> rehab was the problem. <laughs> not me. It's like the places that I go are the problem. Like, not the fact that I show up at these places. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to go home. I got to be hooked up to this little heart monitor while I'm home, whatever. And I make it like three days. And I, I make it three days out of this little thing. Doctor tells me, hey... If you ever shoot dope again, you're probably going to fucking die. Your heart rate is to blow right now. Like, if you shoot dope, you are not going to fucking make it. Um, I make it three days. I, I, I convinced myself that it's because I was shooting dope. I need to start snorting it again. I don't know if you can see my nose from here, but it's real fucked up. Like, it's, it's one size real small. So, right, doctor, family, girlfriend, all of the above, right? They're like, Sam, you got to stop. And I'm like, yes, I do. I know. I know this is bad right three days later i don't know what happened i'm back at it um that's what we're up against um i didn't get sober again for another year i went out for a year uh that time i just said i was gonna go get high on that friday and that was it i'm just getting high on friday always never telling anybody about it i was out there for another year um i finally come back in and nothing special really happened I had the same circumstances, had a miserable life. Uh, I literally did nothing. I socialized with nobody unless we were planning on robbing somebody or you needed a ride to the pawn shop and I was getting a cut. You were going to give me some money for that. And that was it, right? That's my only, like, human interaction. Um, and I checked myself back into rehab. And I sold myself real short. On what that was going to look like. I remember checking myself into detox. And I was like dude if I have to sit in the back of a meeting with these old people drinking coffee and fake laughing at these jokes. Then so fucking be it. Like that's what life will be like. And it might be better than this. I don't fucking know dude. Like I'm dying. And that's when I went to detox. And some people from my home group today they brought a meeting in there. And um, I met them. And for whatever reason I spoke to them. Yeah, like typically I was in detox and I wouldn't talk to anybody, but for whatever fucking reason, I walked up to those guys and I was like, hey, something in me had this willingness to be uncomfortable. And I was just like, hey, what do y'all do? Where do y'all go? Like, what's up? And they were, and this guy told me to go to this HA meeting. And so I did when I got out and I got a sponsor. I started working the steps. Um, I took all the suggestions, got a home group. Uh, I got a service position in that home group and I met. For the first time in my life, I met, like, a group of people that I became, like, close friends with, right? Like, and I'm still close friends with some of those people that I met today. And I say some because a lot of them have died, right? A few of them died from the same thing that I suffer from. Um, So I'm sober for a little while. And my sister passes away from a heroin overdose. I had about five months sober. Um... And I'd already worked the steps, right? I was sponsoring people. So my sister passed away. I had this kind of experience that was like, um, I don't know how to explain it, dude. Like for, like I was, I was not okay. I was not fucking okay, dude. Like, but for, but like I was okay. 
if that makes sense. Like, I had people around me that just kind of, like, fucking, dude, they just brought me through this shit, right? And I will tell you that something in me changed from that moment, right? I still continue. I stayed sober for another six months after that. But there's this thing with staying sober. You got to be, like, uh, rigorously honest, right? <laughs> and, like, real honest. I got to be, like, fucked up honest, dude. <laughs> like, and, uh... And something in me started to, something started to change, right? Where I no longer believed that, that I was sober because of, I suffer from a heroin addiction. I started to believe that I was sober because I absolutely fucking hate heroin and I will never fucking do heroin again because my sister passed away from it. And if you try to challenge me on that, I will fight you. So that's the space that I'm in, right? I'm never going to do heroin again. You're a piece of shit if you say that to me, right? So I shortly believe that I can smoke some weed and drink. And I've, you know, I fucking met my uh, my wife now. I met her. She was not sober. I had like a year and a month sober. And I met this chick who's like super alcoholic, taking Molly. And I was like, that'll do. <laughs> that'll fucking do. <laughs> my sponsor, everybody in my life is like, oh, God, dude. And so I was like. So I'm fucking trying to play normal, okay? And this is where I get the best experience of of how how not normal I am, dude. Trying to play normal with like people who are actually normal and can just like drink and go home, like not not like go get some dope or like they like if you're like they'll do some cocaine if it's on the table, but they're not gonna wait two hours to get the cocaine, you know, like. So I'm playing normal, dude, believing I hate heroin, never going to do it again. Uh, this lasts for about six months, which is actually good for me, dude, because usually it's like a one to two day turnaround. So six months, I was really dragging this shit out. Like, oh, it was hard. It was fucked up, dude. And finally, once again, frothy emotional appeal. My sister died from heroin. You would think that I'd never fucking do heroin again, right? And here I am. I call somebody to get some cocaine. They're like, I don't have cocaine, but I got, uh, I think they have Roxy's. They were like, I got some from Roxy's. And I was like, without a second thought in me, I said, oh, I'm on my way to pick up a 10 pack. Sweet. Let's go. And that was it. That was it, dude. Um, I slowly emerged from that, get sober again. I'm about to be sober for real, guys, I swear. (laughs) It took a lot. (laughs) But, um, so I finally get sober after that, nothing significant really happened. I just got sober. And I had this, like, uh, there's this part in the big book. I'm going to read it. It's like the middle of the road solution, right? And it says, it's on page 25. It says, if you're as seriously alcoholic as we are, We believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best as we could, and the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to, and we were willing to make the effort, right? So this is straight up, like... This is still in some first step shit in the big book. And it's saying, hey, dude, you can either go out blotting the consciousness of your intolerable situation or you can accept some spiritual fucking help. There is no, there is no middle 
There's no middle ground in here. These are your two alternatives. Any sane person would be like spiritual help for sure, duh, right? But for whatever reason, I'm like a fucking junkie and my life is awful. And I'm like, I don't know about that spiritual solution. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, So I come in here and I call it a crumb snatcher, okay? I'm being a real crumb snatcher. I'm just sitting in the back of the meeting. I'm playing on my phone. I got a sponsor, but I don't really call her like all the time, you know? And I'm just kind of like chilling like... Like I know, I know that when shit gets rough, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step up my game, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna really do the things that are required for me to stay sober when shit gets rough. Um, that did not happen. <laughs> that does not happen. If you're sitting in here tonight and you're like, I'll really, I'll call my sponsor when shit gets rough. I'm not gonna call her for the next month though. Like you might want to call her consistently. <laughs> There's no middle of the road shit here. <laughs> um, so I go to the doctor because I'm sick. And they say, hey, you need some coating because you're sick. And I'm like, yes, I absolutely do. And I drink the whole bottle in the parking lot. And then my last time getting high is eating Kratom at a gas station for three days straight. That sounds fucking crazy because my life has looked awful externally from shooting dope. And externally, my life looked better than it ever had. I'd just gotten a promotion at work. I got a raise, right? I fucking live with my girlfriend. My life looks pretty fucking good on the outside dude it's never looked like this i got some money in a savings account and i'm dying internally dude i just went to the fucking doctor got some medicine and now i'm spending hundreds of dollars a day at this fucking gas station taking kratom that i hate and i cannot not fucking get off work and go do this and it's fucked up it's i don't know i don't know how I don't know how to explain that. When when that happens to you and you have the awareness of what the fuck is happening to you, it is fucked up, dude. Like, internally, that fucking killed me. And for whatever fucking reason, dude, and I don't know why because I've meant it a thousand times before, that's the last time I got high, right, was eating Kratom at the gas station. For whatever reason, I I all of a sudden was just so... I just became so able to be so honest with people, right? Like, something in me finally just fucking broke. And I don't know if you can produce that by talking to somebody, right? I don't know if we can intellectually produce this broken thing. I think it's an internal thing that has to happen within a person to where, like, something in you has to break for you to be like, dude, help me, dude. This is what I got going on. Like, as embarrassing as this is, this is what's going on. And I just became extremely willing to be honest. Um, do I even got willing, my sponsor, so I worked for this guy who'd been sober for like 20 years and we we're very close about sobriety and stuff. And he'd just given me a raise of some money that I really believed I needed to make. Like I had strived so long to make that amount of money, right? Like that is all I focused on was making that paycheck. And she was like, hey, dude, possibly, why don't you get honest with this man, right? And I was like, dude, I'm going to lose this raise. I'm going to lose this promotion. I'm going to lose these things that I believe that I fucking needed, right? And for whatever reason, like, like, that was here. And, like, doing heroin again was here, right? Because for me, the first step isn't, like, right? It's uh, admitted that I was powerless over drugs and that my life was unmanageable, right? For me, for so long, that meant that I can't do dope anymore, right? I'm like, oh, I just can't do dope anymore. And that, and for the first time, I had the experience of that's absolutely not what it means. It means, motherfucker, I'm going to do dope again. 
if my experience shows me anything, it's I'm absolutely going to do this shit again if I do not have this vital spiritual experience, this psychic change that these people have talking that these people have talked about, and I clearly have not had. Right. So, so I I just became willing, dude. I was like, you know what? I might lose that race. Right. I might not make the money that I believe that I needed to make. Right. But fuck it, dude. Like I'm going to shoot dope. I'm going to fucking shoot dope. Like, I don't fucking care, dude. I was fucking embarrassed to tell everybody, like, yeah, I fucking ate some Kratom. Um, but I did, dude. Fucking went to my boss. I told him. I told him these things. And for the first time ever, I've always been lying about some shit. Just dumb shit. And, like, for the first time ever, I could, like, not... I could... I literally could not lie. Like, I could lie, but then, like, immediately, like, the lie would come out or, like, I'd have to be honest with you. It was fucking weird, dude. Never had that experience before. It was kind of shitty to be honest. Like, all the lies at once were coming out. Like, some crazy shit. Um, And, dude, it was extremely uncomfortable. But I got with a competent sponsor. I worked the 12 steps, right? And I literally did these things that this woman suggested, right? Um, I got a home group once again. Fucking got a service position in that home group. I went to a big book study. I did these fucking things. And I wrote inventory. And for the first time, that page that I always left out of that inventory, I fucking just, I write, I'd always have this one page on inventory written, and I just slide past it while we were reading it. And for whatever reason, I fucking looked at that page, and I went to flip it again like I wasn't going to read it. And I just looked at her, and I was like, man, I really don't want to fucking tell you this, but here we go. Right? Right? I, it was all out. Right? All these things. I was just very honest. And, um, dude, I got to make some amends. My amends list was fucked up. I, uh, I stole a lot of money. There was so much money amends on my list that it was like, I literally remember making this list and I was like, I will never be able to make these amends. This is fucked up and this stresses me out. Like, like, and I, and right, so I'm just making small amends all the time, you know, like what I can. Literally, I fucking put, dude, I was, I had like a shit job. I'm putting like $10 in this woman's mailbox because I pawned her laptop or like her daughter's laptop. I put $10 in her mailbox every week until it was paid off. Like some crazy shit. I'm like, dude, I'll never be able to pay this back. And what was funny, I was reflecting on things, and, like, I think it was, like, two years ago, or, like, a year and a half ago, I was in the steal on steal, and I pulled up my men's list, and I looked at this shit, and I was like, oh, my God, dude, most of these are gone. Most of those men's that I said that I would never be able to fucking make, I have made them. Dude, how the fuck did that happen? Like, where did that shit come from? Um, I I started sponsoring other women. All right, I still sponsor. I sponsor a shit time. I sponsor people for real. Um, if someone didn't sponsor me the way that I was sponsored, hold, I don't know what the, I don't know what I would be doing. Right? Um, that was very ingrained in me, and it always has been. Of like, like the purpose of the twelve steps, right, is to get you connected to God and serve others, right? And so the first time I went through the steps, I don't know how I felt about the whole God thing right? I wasn't sure about this whole God thing. And that's the first part of this fucking book. It literally like gets you to identify with you being a drug addict. And then it says, Hey dude, you got to get connected to God or you are fucked. And I was like, first time going through this, I was like, you know what? I don't know about the whole God thing, but you best believe that I fucking believe in alcoholism. I believe like to the core, I believe in alcoholism that I am this there's some shit happening in me that does not happen to most people, right? 
And, and that was enough for me then to continue through the steps, right? That was enough to get through that. And then once I started really getting through the steps, I started, I didn't believe these people when they're like, yeah, dude, fucking God is like the number one thing in my life. And like, I'm fucking praying and meditating and la da da. And like, dude, there's this part in the big book where it's like, we rocketed into the fourth dimension. And I'm like, dude, this shit's crazy. Like, there's no way. Um, and at some point in time, I realized that when I wake up in the mornings, the first thing I absolutely do is pray to a, a power, write my own understanding of what spirit is, right? I spend every single morning doing this. I've built a relationship with this thing. I fucking meditate with this thing, right? I ask this thing to fucking help me and guide me and to fucking help me to pack into the stream of life rather than take today. And like, Dude, I fucking, as lame as it sounds, it's like, holy fuck, dude, that's the number one relationship in my fucking life. Like, and who would have thought this person who was like, dude, I don't know about the God thing, but I believe that you fucking believe in this, and I believe in alcoholism, so let's fucking do it, um, is now the number one relationship in my life, right? I don't always treat it like it is, but it is. <laughs> and, dude, my life today is fucking insane um if you would have told me right so so let's just put a picture to this um back when kurt said we knew each other and we did we, we did some dub together um i looked like a hundred pound justin bieber on crack okay that's what i look like for real i'm so serious and and dude like dunkin donuts was like the only place that would hire me <laughs> like like that's real dude that's all i had going on um and, uh, and I get connected to this shit, and I am still the same person, which is so weird. I'm still that little fucking 100-pound crackhead Justin Bieber. I'm still that person. But through this process, and as crazy as this seems, I have found uh, so much of, of me that was not me has been removed. I don't know how to explain that unless you go through this process, Right. There was so much of, of me that that wasn't really fucking me, right? It was really just fear and fucking ego and all these fucking characters that I showed up to, like, y'all with. But then I got to come over here and act like that with y'all, you know? Like, it was crazy shit, right? And so, so much of this has been removed for me that I'm still the same person, but I'm, like, a completely transformed person. It's weird. Um, and this is just, like, internally things that have changed externally holy fuck like externally my life i can't even start to describe to y'all like my life externally um i'm married now which is crazy i'm married i have a super hot wife um uh we have a dog it's great fucking i have a fat savings account i got some 401ks some roth iras right that's fucking crazy dude this is all external um i work for this fucking i'm an accountant which is weird. I don't even have an associate's degree. Um, and I work at this bougie-ass place downtown where people all have degrees and master's degrees and shit. And for whatever fucking reason, they hired my ass there, <laughs> which is weird. But whatever, dude, it's tight. It's fucking great. It's the best job I've ever fucking had. 
it's weird to be talking to these people and they're like yeah when I was in college and I was getting my master's and then I went on to my CPA they're like what did you do and I'm like oh god <laughs> I was shooting a lot of dope <laughs> I don't say that <laughs> I don't fucking say that we moved like millions of dollars around I think that'd be terrible information to give them <laughs> like yeah I was shooting a lot of dope then <laughs> but right those are just externally things of my life that has changed and honestly I could not have any of those external things my life would still be absolutely fucking amazing right I remember when I was first getting connected to this shit and like there wasn't really much going on in my life like I kind of lived in this shitty apartment but I started to have this spiritual experience and like started to like be cool with just like being by myself right be cool with just like like at peace dude like I am no longer like I believed being sober was like meant that like I had to be locked up like I couldn't be around drugs or alcohol ever right and I was never really gonna like belly laugh again you know what I'm saying like a for real laugh like nothing was gonna be like really funny ever again like I wasn't gonna be able to really have fun again I wasn't gonna be able to enjoy things again and that was such a lie dude like I said I sold myself so short on what what I thought that this thing was gonna do for me right I thought I was just gonna have to live in this little box and not be around this and it's like dude not at all like I'm like as long as I stay connected and do these things my life today is like free as fuck I go to the strip club often you know there's a lot of drugs there and it's fine never crosses my fucking mind like the thought that drugs like getting high does not cross my mind is insane for a junkie like me like for someone who could not go literally like Dude, I remember one time trying to get sober, and I was like, my mom was, like, saying something to me, and I was just like, Mom, I just have to take it, like, minute by minute. Like, that's how I lived. It was like that, dude. Like, it was just like, I can't think about anything except for drugs. And the fact that that is no longer a fucking thing for me is why I come to these things, is why I come and do this. Not only because I'm, I'm a terrible heroin addict, is because... I'm a terrible heroin addict that, like, recovered through this process, right? And if one person could just come through and fucking do that, then absolutely, absolutely I will spend a couple hours of my time on Friday, right? Like, what the fuck does that mean for somebody's life? Because somebody did that for me. Um, I'm going to read one thing, and I'm done with this. It's on the first page of Working With Others, page 89. It says... Life will take on new meaning. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, and to see a fellowship grow up about you, and to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss, right? And, and that's been my experience, is if you do this, you will absolutely not miss that. And that's all I got.